Wow, thank you, Tom and choir and orchestra, for leading us in worship. And you really made us feel home today because my tribute was sung at our wedding 49 years ago. I know you can't believe I married, she was 10 years old when I married her. <laughs> and then Great is Thy Faithfulness was sung at our daughter's, older, older daughter's wedding. And we appreciate your hospitality. We've enjoyed being with you and you'll always have a place in our heart. We also appreciate all the staff members who've taken us to lunch every Sunday. So today, if you have your Bible, open to Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And today we're going to talk about this parable, push, a parable of persistent prayer. Once there was a college kid who was in a new town and he went into the local pharmacy and told the pharmacist there, I want to buy three boxes of candy, a little box, a medium box, and a large box. And the pharmacist said, well, why will you, do you want to buy three boxes of candy? He said, well, tonight I'm going over to my girlfriend's house from college, and, you know, if she lets me hold her hand, I'll give her the little box of chocolate. She lets me kiss her on the cheek, I'll give her a medium-sized box. But I mean, if we really get into some serious smooching, I'm going to give her the big box of candy. So he made his purchase, and that night he showed up at her home, and they sat down for dinner, and the college kids said, hey, can I say the prayer before we eat? And this kid just began to pray the prayingest prayer you've ever heard. I mean, he went on and on. He just called down glory from heaven. And finally, when it's finished, his girlfriend said, man, I didn't know you were so religious. He said, I didn't know your daddy was the pharmacist. <laughs> There's a lot of different motivations to pray. Now let me tell you right up front that the acrostic push stands for, and you write this down, pray until something happens. And so every time you see a door or a button or anything that says push, it ought to be a reminder to all of us that we should always pray until something happens. You know, the disciples of Jesus were with him for three years, they never said, Lord, teach us to preach or teach us to heal or teach us to do miracles or teach us how to build a table. The only thing they said was, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because there was something about the prayer life of Jesus that was so contagious. They said, we want to know how to pray. And so Jesus gives this parable in Luke 18 about prayer. He says in verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now, that's the lesson. Sometimes you give the story, then the lesson. But here he gives the lesson first. And here's the story. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, the word there means like being poked in the eye with a stick, because she keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And now the Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night, day and night, day and night. Will he keep putting them off? The answer to that is no. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and, and here's an important word, underline it, 
quickly. And then Jesus slips in a little note about second coming. He does that a lot. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, if you didn't have that first verse about prayer, not losing heart, you probably wouldn't recognize that this is a parable about prayer because here God is compared, not really compared, but contrasted with the unjust judge. Now, here's some poor widow that had some legal issue. We don't know what it was. Maybe her dead husband had left her some land or some possessions and she wasn't able to access that. Somebody was cheating her with it. So you got to remember back in Bible times, ladies, I hate to tell you, but women had very few, if any, legal rights. You remember the story of Ruth? Uh, how many of you have read the story of Ruth? Yeah, if you haven't read it, you're ruthless. <laughs> when Naomi and Ruth returned to Bethlehem, they couldn't even claim that their husband's land because they had no legal standing. So it took a hero of the story, Boaz, to become the kinsman redeemer. And then they got married and uh, they're, they're, he, they became the grandparents of King David. And, and she is listed in the genealogy of Jesus. Now, when you're picturing this scene, don't picture a courthouse. Because back in these days, judges set up tents and moved them around like circuit judges. And they were appointed by the Romans, which means they could buy a judgeship. So they were crooked. And they made a living by getting bribes. And here was this widow who kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. Help me with my adversary. Give me justice against my adversary. And he says, you know what? I don't like her. I don't even fear God. But because she keeps bugging me, I am going to give her what she wants. And Jesus said that is a parable about prayer. So let's learn three lessons about prayer. First of all, don't worry. Pray continually. Now, so are you the kind of person who worries about your problems? You see, this, this widow did not stay at home just wringing her hands and, oh, no, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? She went to the one man who could help her to the judge. And it says in verse 1, man, men should always pray and not give up. That word give up is very important. It's the word enkinkaio in Greek, which means to have your mind cluttered with bad thoughts. And isn't that what worry is? When your mind is cluttered with bad thoughts? You know, worry is almost like water. It, it begins as a trickle. Then it turns into a stream. And then it turns into a pond of paranoia. Then it turns into a, a torrent of tension. Until before you know it, you have a grand canyon of worry in your mind because over and over again, you're, you're thinking about the worst that could happen. Now, our English word worry comes from the German word worgen, which means to strangle, and that's what worry does. It strangles the life out of you. One of the writers I enjoy reading is William Ward. He says this about worry. Worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster, and belief in defeat. Worry is a magnet that attracts negative circumstances. I like this. Pay attention. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. Now, some of the greatest words in the Bible about refusing to worry comes from the Apostle Paul when he wrote his letter to the church at Philippi. And I want to remind you that when he wrote these words, he was not basking in the Mediterranean sun with his toes in the ocean. He was in a deep, dark 
dank dungeon waiting to be beheaded. And yet here's what he wrote in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. But in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What's the result? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, worry begins a negative, destructive cycle. Worry leads to fear, and, and fear leads to paralysis. And before you know, you have the paralysis of analysis. Somebody has said that the biggest mistake you can make is always fearing you're going to make a mistake. So the first lesson about prayer is don't worry, pray continually. Number two, don't quit, pray persistently. Now the thing that got the judge's attention was this widow kept coming back, kept coming back over and over again, over and over again. We don't know how many times, we're not told. But she did it so much, she finally said, okay, I've had it. She was persistent in her request. And you know, the Bible talks about the importance of praying over and over again. Pray until something happens. And the problem with a lot of people is they, they pray one time and they give it up. I, it's like saying, you know, I, I heard feather pillow, pillows were good, so I slept on a pillow one time. I slept on a feather one time and I didn't, didn't enjoy my sleep. So you give up praying too soon when you don't pray persistently. Look at Psalm 55, 16 through 18. But I call to God and the Lord will save me. I complain and I groan, notice how often, morning, noon, and night. And he hears my voice. Though many are against me, he will redeem me from my battle unharmed. Morning, noon, and night. You know, Hannah in the Old Testament is a great example of persistence in prayer. You know, she was barren, but every year she would go before the prophet and she would say, Lord, give me children or I die. Give me children or I die. Give me children or I die. And finally, after she had prayed that for many years, God blessed her with a son, Samuel, who became the father of what we call the prophets. Paul wrote about how he had a thorn in the flesh. He asked the Lord not once, not twice, but three times, Lord, take it away. Take it away, take it away. And God said, well, here's my answer. I'm going to give you grace that is sufficient for you to deal with it. You know, persistence is just a valuable character quality in the Christian life in general. Have you ever heard of the German composer Johann Brahms? Did you know it took him seven years to write his famous lullaby? Maybe because he kept falling asleep at the piano. Seven years and... It's around today, and just think, today he has ice cream stores all over the country named after him. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. you're paying attention. Did you know one of the biggest clubs in America is called the Quitters Club? They never have meetings because they quit meeting. They don't pay dues because they quit paying their dues. But they are the people in America when they have a tough situation, a tough marriage, a tough job, tough circumstances, they quit. They throw up their hands and say, I give up. You know, one of my great sports heroes has always been and will always be Emmett Smith. 
How about those cowboys? How about that, you know? Did you know Emmett Smith, when he retired, he still holds the record for the most yards gained in the NFL, probably a record that will never be broken. When he broke the record in 2002, they interviewed him on television and he said, I give all the glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But you know, Emmett was not a flashy runner. He, it wasn't like Barry Sanders. He just was steady and straight and always running toward the goal line. You know, he, he gained 18,355 yards. If you want to translate that, that's 10 and a half miles over his career, 10 and a half miles. And maybe some of you who are regular joggers say, well, I've jogged more than that in a week. Yeah, but you don't have 300 pound monsters coming to take your head off while you're running. <laughs> Did you know he was tackled 4,409 times? And you know what he did every time he got tackled? He got back up again. And you know, life is a lot like that. Successful people have failures. I mean, they fail a lot. They fail often, but they know that failure is not final nor it's fatal, and they get back up. But those who lose in life are the ones that when they fall, they stay down. Now, let's, let's address the elephant in the room in this parable. Of course, we represent the widow. We ought to be praying persistently like she is. But then we say, well, so is God like this mean, unjust judge? Well, this is a parable of contrast, not of comparison. God is nothing like this mean judge. In fact, Jesus said that. How much more will your father quickly answer those who call out to him? In fact, here's what we read in Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Jesus said, who among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So that's the second thing. Pray continually. Don't doubt. Pray continually. Then number three... Number two is don't quit, pray persistently. And now finally, number three, don't doubt, pray positively. You know, she kept on believing that this judge could settle her case. She expected him to, to rule in her favor. And that's an important part of prayer. When you pray, you should expect an answer. That's what Paul wrote about. With, make your petitions with thanksgiving. You know what that means? That means when you ask God for something, go ahead and thank him for it at the moment you ask for it. You know, it says in James chapter 1, does anyone lack wisdom? Let him ask of God who gives generously. But then it says in James 1, 6, but let him ask in faith believing because he who doesn't believe is like waves of the sea tossed back and forth. Don't think that that person shall receive anything from the Lord. You've got to pray positively, expecting to get an answer. John writes in 1 John 5, this is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Do you pray in confidence? Or do your prayers sort of have a question mark? Lord, if you want to do this, maybe hope you'll do this. Pray positively. I heard a funny story about a Sunday school class of children. The teacher had them write letters to missionaries. And the teacher said, now, children, these missionaries are very busy, so they probably won't answer your letters. And so one little kid wrote, Dear Mr. Smith, 
I'm praying for you. I'm not expecting an answer. <laughs> That's the way some people pray. They don't expect an answer. Listen, when you walk into a room and you flip a light switch and the light doesn't come on, I mean, you don't curse Tom, uh, Thomas Edison or curse electricity. You say, hey, something's wrong. Uh, maybe the bulb is burned out. Circuit may be broken. The power may be off. You do something to fix it. And when you pray and you don't get an answer, you say, well, maybe the request is wrong. The timing's wrong. Maybe I'm not right with God. So there's something you can do to fix it so you can pray positively. Now, I know in your little printout there, that, that's sort of the end of the message, but it's not. I got four more points for you. You can write them down because I want to give to you four ways in which God answers prayer. Now, these are not exhaustive. There are other ways but I want you to know that when you pray, God always, always answers prayer. I want you to believe that. I want you to believe that God always answers prayer. Will you say that aloud with me? God always answers prayer. And here are four ways that I've discovered that God answers prayer. Sometimes God says, I will answer you quickly. Quickly. That's the word that, that Jesus used. And you know, there are many times in the Bible when somebody prayed, God immediately answered their prayer. One of my favorite stories is about Matthew 14 when Simon Peter asked the Lord if he can walk out on the water to him. And Jesus said, yeah, come on. So he throws his leg over the boat, starts walking out on the water, but he starts to sink. And here's one of the most short, shortest, most sincere prayers of the Bible. He says, Lord, help me. And the Lord helped him. You know, sometimes today when people pray, they use all this flowery language. Aren't you glad that that night Peter didn't say, Lord, we come to you on this beautiful Evening on the Sea of Galilee, we humbly beseech thee, if thou wouldest, thou couldest. No, he says, Lord, help me. And sometimes that's the kind of short, sincere prayer that God answers, and he answers it quickly. I heard about a woman who was driving through a crowded mall parking lot. It was raining, and the lot was full. She was looking for that amen parking place, my wife calls it. And so she began to pray. She said, please, dear God, please, dear God, help me find a parking place. Help me find a parking place. And just as she's pulling down, she sees this car backing out from the amen parking place. And she says, never mind, God, I found one. <laughs> so thank God that sometimes he answers prayers quickly. But number two, sometimes God may answer your prayer later. He may answer your prayer later. Because the timing is not just right. Because you see, folks, there's a big difference between time and timing. And God's timing is impeccable. And he doesn't run on the same clock and calendar that we use. In fact, he didn't have a clock. He didn't have a calendar. So sometimes you pray for something and you don't get the answer for a while. You remember when Jesus and his disciples got a messenger from Mary and Martha, come quick, our, our brother Lazarus is sick. You know, he, he delayed for a couple of more days. And the disciples said, why aren't we going to help our friend Lazarus? And Jesus said, you know, if we wait, something is going to give God more glory than for me to just go heal him. So you need to remember that God's delays are not God's denials. One of my heroes of the faith was George Mueller of Bristol. He operated in an orphanage for 30 years and raised in that day hundreds of thousands of dollars without ever asking for a single pound. And he prayed all of his life for one of his childhood friends to become a Christian because his, his childhood friend was not a Christian. And he wrote this in his diary about how he kept on praying. 
He said, the great point is never to give up until the answer comes. I've been praying for 63 years and eight months for one man's conversion. He is not saved yet, but he will be. How can it be otherwise? I am praying. And in 19, I mean in 1898, George Mueller died at the age of 92, and the day of his funeral, his friend gave his life to Jesus Christ. God sometimes answers prayer later. So he answers prayer quickly. He answers prayers later. I like this one. Sometimes he answers prayer better. He, he gives us better than what we ask for. The great theologian, Garth Brooks, <laughs> had a song about unanswered prayer. How he prayed in high school, he would marry this certain girl, and, and then in the song, he goes back to the high school later with his wife, and he's old. I'm glad God didn't answer that prayer. So the lyrics, I know you're familiar, says, Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, he's more than that, and just because he don't answer don't mean he don't care because some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayer. Now that's a good song, bad theology, because there is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. God answered his prayer just gave him something better than what he had originally prayed for. Ruth Graham, Ruth Bell Graham, who married Billy Graham, she once wrote, if God had answered all my prayers, I would have married seven men before I met Billy. <laughs> One of my close friends who's in heaven, Ron Dunn, has written a great book on prayer, if you're interested in reading one. And I love the title. The title is, Don't Just Stand There, Pray Something. And here's what he writes. God answers prayer along the route that brings him the most glory. And on the way to better, it may seem to be worse for a while. But he's going to answer in a way that gives him the greatest glory. So sometimes God answers prayer quickly. Sometimes he answers prayer later. Sometimes he answers prayer better and sometimes he answers prayer, no. He just says no. Uh, and you change your prayer, but you keep on praying, push until something happens. In 1983, Cindy and I were serving a church in North Alabama. And my father had died a couple of years earlier of cancer. And then within just a few months of his funeral, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. And so she came to live with us for a while, and I would drive her to her chemo treatments in Birmingham, which is about a 45-minute drive. And I cherish those memories because I got to spend some time with my mom and even be her pastor. And there was a time in my life when I think I was really walking closely with the Lord, and I prayed for God to heal my mother. I prayed positively. I prayed persistently. I prayed according to the word of God. I prayed over and over and over again, God, please heal my mother. Please heal my mother. And I can actually remember where I was in my prayer time. And as if God said to me in a, in a voice, he said, was it, was it a voice you could hear? No, it was louder than that. He said, no, David, I have something better for you. I'm going to take her home to be with me. And at that point, I stopped praying for God to heal her. Because he had said no to that. And I began to pray that God would keep her comfortable until the end, which he did. 
And so sometimes you pray for something and the answer is no. Can you think of a prayer when God said no? How about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? God, take this cup away. Not my will, but yours be done. In that bitter cup was the cup of suffering, was the cup of of carrying the sins of the world. Take this cup away, he prayed the second time. But not my will, but yours be done. Father, please, take this cup away. But not my will, but yours be done. And the Father said, no, son, you're going to the cross to purchase the sins of the world of all the people. So even there was a time when Jesus made requests and God said, no, I have something different I'm going to do. So I want to finish with a story I read from Warren Wiersbe about a Christian businessman. I love this story. He owned a construction company and things were going badly for him. He'd been outbid on several projects and other projects were behind on the time and over budget. And so he he really began to worry a lot and stay awake at night worrying about all of his problems at work. And on one of his projects, there were some trees that they had to take down. And one of his workmen said, uh, boss, this tree here, we might want to leave it up for a while because there's a bird's nest in it and there are baby birds in the nest. And so he said, okay, cut down all the other trees except that one tree. So, so they did. So finally they got to the point where he said, you know what, we can't delay any longer. We, we're going to have to take the tree down. But he got in the bucket truck and he raised the bucket up so he could look into the bird's nest to see if they were still there. And thankfully, the nest was empty. The birds had gone. But he reached out and he wanted to just look at the nest. And you know, when birds build nests, they use a lot of different things. They use straw, twigs, sticks, and sometimes even little pieces of paper. And he said protruding from the edge of that nest was a little slip of paper. And so he, he pulled it out and he opened it and it said, God cares for you. And just that morning, in his devotion time, he'd read what Jesus said. Don't worry. Look at the birds of the air. They don't worry. They don't toil. And God the Father provides for them, and he will take care of you. So he said that day was a turning point in his life and in his business. He took that nest back to his office and put it behind his table as a reminder, and he stopped worrying. And the story goes on later on. God continued to bless his business and his life turned around. God has a message for you today. He will take care of you. So push, push, pray until something happens. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this great prayer promise in your word. And forgive us for the times, Lord, that we pray too few times or we pray not believing or we worry instead of praying and I pray that today you'll give all of us a heart for prayer and that we will not stop praying until we get an answer from you so Lord if there's anyone here today in this room or watching on in the overflow or in the summit or online and they don't know you Lord I pray that today will be the day that they pray a prayer of repentance and they ask you to come and change their lives. And with your head bowed, eyes closed, if any of you would like to pray that prayer, you can just repeat this prayer after me. 
Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I know I'll never be good enough to earn heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. And now I want to give you my life. I want you to take control and take me to heaven one day when I die. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you're here today, let somebody on the staff know you prayed that prayer. We learned just over in Summit just a couple of weeks ago, somebody did that during this time just now. So don't be afraid to tell somebody today, I prayed that prayer. Or if you're on, watching online, be sure to contact the church uh, over the website or their phone number. There are plenty of ways to contact there. So in just a moment, we're going to stand and have our invitation. There'll be some staff members down front. Maybe you're here today and you want to say, you know, I'm, I come to this church, but I'm not a member yet. But this is where I'm being fed, being led. And so today I want to come forward and present myself to be a member of this church. Or as I said, if you prayed that prayer, this is the right time to come down and tell one of the staff members, I just prayed that prayer and invited Jesus in my heart. But you know, as pastor for all these years, I discovered that there are a lot of people in church every Sunday who truly are saved, they're born again, but they haven't been baptized since they were saved. And so perhaps you need to come and say to someone at the front, Jesus is in my heart and I want to be obedient by following him in baptism. So let's stand together right now and as we sing, you step out.